1: If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Thomas Triddle, and this story is called Rest Stop. I 80 can feel like a horizontal abyss in the wee hours of the morning. I drive it often now that my girlfriend is going to the University of Iowa. I'm pretty sure our long-distance relationship is only still working because I'm willing to drive out to her every weekend. In the fall, there was more traffic on the interstate, even in the middle of the night. Now that it's gotten cold and icy, people must be less willing to travel at night. Not me. Oh, the things we do for love. The monotonous drive has a tendency to lull me into a semi-conscious state. I have to actively fight my eyelids' desire to close as I'm speeding along. Caffeine is my only ally against the tiredness, but lately, I've developed an inconvenient tolerance to the stimulant. As I drove past a blue reflective sign that said Rest Area, 2 miles, my body sent urgent signals to my foggy brain. I had to pee. With an accusatory glance at the empty Mountain Dew bottle in my cup holder, I tried to remember when I'd be coming up on the next gas station. I hated stopping at the interstate rest areas at night. Pulling off at some unmanned building alone felt like asking to get mugged or carjacked. Another blue sign whipped past me. It read, Next Rest Area in 68 Miles. Even at a casual 75 miles per hour, it would take me nearly an hour to reach the next stop and I couldn't confidently recall any exits with gas stations coming up. I cursed my bladder and the seatbelt pressed against it, flipped my blinker on, for whom I do not know, and glided into the rest area's parking lot. There were two other vehicles parked when I pulled in, a Subaru and a rusty old Ford Ranger. I would have preferred the lot to be empty, but decided two vehicles were better than one. If either of their drivers turned out to be a murderous psychopath, I had a 50-50 shot at being a victim or a witness. Lucky me. I got out and stretched. The frigid air and sharp wind cut through the parking lot, stinging my exposed face and arms. Despite the pain, I welcomed the reviving sensation of the cold. It did wonders for my alertness, providing temporary relief from sleep's seductive beckoning. The smell of Clorox and urinal cakes greeted me as I opened the door to the men's room. The cleanly state of Iowa's rest areas continually impresses me. I'm used to the standard of Illinois' janitorial staff, who, I'm guessing use the phrase, good enough for government work, a lot. With a soft clicking sound, the motion-sensing lights in the ceiling woke groggily. One bulb flashed three times before stabilizing at a dull, fuzzy glow. Since I had been up and moving around, a second primal urge had seized me. I entered a stall and made sure the door was closed and locked securely before taking the unfortunately vulnerable position required for relieving oneself. I saw a pair of worn tennis shoes on the floor of the stall next to mine. They caught me by surprise, as I hadn't heard a single sound since I'd entered the restroom. I thought, maybe this guy is as worried as I am about these places, he's just trying to do his business quietly and get out of here ASAP. I could appreciate that. As tends to be the case in public restrooms, the motion-sensing lights were set to a criminally short timer. The restroom was ushered into darkness with another soft click. I waved my arms above my head to no avail. I realized the poor gentleman beside me must have been sitting in the dark until I'd arrived. No matter. I finished my business hastily. Iowa's interstate janitors finally let me down. When I reached for some toilet paper, I found only an empty roll. I hesitantly knocked against the separator and asked the guy next to me if he could pass a roll underneath it. He didn't answer. Knocking again, a little harder, I wondered if he had fallen asleep on the toilet. I pulled my pants up regretfully, planning to clean up in another stall since the guy next to mine was a little too set on being left alone. My fingers were on the stall's lock when I heard the bathroom door swing open. I was too embarrassed to swap stalls when someone was there to see me. It's irrational to care so much about what a total stranger thinks of you, I know, but that's just the way my mind works. I sat back on the toilet to wait for the newcomer to do what they were going to do. He grabbed the handle on the outside of my stall and gave it a rattle. This one's occupied, I called out, my voice squeaking like I was in junior high again. The person released the door, but didn't step away from my stall. His clothing rustled strangely like a plastic bag blowing in the wind. I tried to suppress my nerves, but couldn't rationalize his intrusive behavior. "'Hey man, there are other stalls open,' I said. My voice sounded weak and stupid. Feet shuffled on the other side of the door, but didn't leave. Then the door started to rattle again. The shaking was more aggressive this time. It seemed like the man was trying to rip the door down. I shouted uselessly at him to stop and pressed my body against the door to try and keep it shut. The door stopped shaking and something gripped my ankle. I looked downright as a hand yanked my foot underneath the stall door. My head narrowly missed the porcelain bowl as I landed hard on the tile floor. I grabbed at the rim of the toilet and gained just enough purchase to keep myself from being dragged through the gap under the door. "'Leave me alone!' I screamed at my invisible assailant. That never works." With my face now inches from the tennis shoes in the next stall, I could see the lower half of their owner. He sat on the toilet with his pants up. He looked more like he had been tossed there like a bag of trash rather than sitting down himself. If he had fallen asleep there, the commotion would have definitely woken him up. My own shoe slipped off my foot. I felt the hand gripping my ankle also slip a little and yanked my leg away. My attacker stumbled. I heard the shiny ring of sharpened metal before something clattered to the floor next to him. A primal sense recognized the sound of a blade and urged me to hastily draw myself back into the false safety of the bathroom stall. A gloved hand reached down to retrieve the trailing point blade that had fallen on the tiles. That moment only gifted me a brief glimpse at my assailant, but it was enough to see he had covered himself in black garbage bags sealed with duct tape around his wrists and ankles. The man had clearly come to the rest stop intending to kill. Instead of waiting for a repeat of prior events, I rolled under the separator into the other occupied stall. As I stood next to him, it was immediately evident why the man next to me had been unresponsive. I'm sure you've guessed by now. It seems he had become acquainted with the maniac outside the stall before I arrived. The man's chin rested on his chest. Red oozed from beneath it in a slow trickle but his saturated shirt and the bowl of blood he sat on made it evident the trickle had once been a stream. Or maybe a geyser. I used his collar and belt to hoist the man off the toilet and dropped him in front of the door, blocking the killer's ability to reach or crawl underneath it. Then I searched for anything I could weaponize. Outside the stall, I heard the murderer pacing back and forth, ominously scraping the knife along the sink's edges. Shink. 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 Silence. The only sound echoing throughout the room was the slow drip of a leaky faucet. I heard no footsteps, no rustling garbage bags. Somehow the absence of sound coming from my assailant made him feel omnipresent. I didn't want to turn around, but somehow I felt he was right behind me. I felt like he could at any moment possess the body of the man on the floor and wring the life from my throat using his hands. With that image in mind, I found it difficult to get down on all fours to peek beneath the stall, but I did. Left, right, and center, the coast appeared clear. Still, I couldn't bring myself to leave my shoddy shelter. How could the killer have left without making a sound? And why would he have left at all? And this is something I should have realized much sooner. How had he not triggered the motion sensors even once during the attack? A fresh wave of panic throttled my chest. I picked myself up from the floor and clumsily fell back onto the toilet. What sort of person was I dealing with? Was he a person at all? A rustle from above made me involuntarily shift my head. The murderer was perched atop the left side of the stall wearing the trash bags and an evil grin. The sharp knife glimmered even in the lightless room. I screamed. He lunged. He plunged the knife down, down. My body jolted hard and I nearly fell off the toilet. My lungs sucked down oxygen like an industrial vacuum. I was alone in the stall again. You okay in there? A husky voice asked from the stall next to me. "'Uh, yeah, thanks,' I stammered in disbelief. "'I couldn't believe I had fallen asleep. "'The darkness had sent me into a slumber like the tender kiss of a lover. "'After I discovered there was, in fact, plenty of toilet paper in my stall, "'I completed my original task. "'As soon as I flushed, the man next to me flushed as well. "'A strange coincidence. "'I exited the stall and eyed the sink.' I decided I'd rather use the hand sanitizer in my car. Residual paranoia from the dream had sunk claws into my conscious mind. I wanted to be out of that restroom before the other man buckled his belt. I got out of the door just as I heard his stall squeak open. I turned on the flashlight on my phone and ran through the dark parking lot. I pulled my keys from my pocket as I ran, ready to get myself into the safety of my car. The taillights flashed welcomingly as I pressed unlock on the remote. I opened the driver's side door, and as I turned to sit, my flashlight gleamed through the passenger window of the Subaru. It was streaked and discolored on the inside. I knew why even before I looked closer. Somehow, I knew. There was a young couple in the car. Their hearts had pumped their final beats onto the windshield and dashboard. I didn't stay to check on them. There was no point. I slammed the door of my own car and shut the locks immediately. The brake lights flashed as I started the engine. In my rear view, I saw the man from the stall next to mine standing directly behind my car, blocking me in. The brake lights bathed the blood-soaked man in red. A trailing point knife reflected the violent light back into the mirror, forcing me to look away, but not before I noticed. His evil grin. Just like the killer from my dream. I slammed the lever into reverse. The man didn't move. I guess he didn't think I had it in me. A miscalculation on his part. My engine roared like a starved zoo lion and the grin disappeared from the killer's face. He tried to get out of the way before I shot backwards but a slight bump told me at least part of him hadn't been fast enough. I hit 90 miles per hour before I even got off the on-ramp. I spent the rest of the drive watching for that rusty Ford Ranger in the rear view. It never showed up, thank god. When I passed the next rest area 68 miles later, I didn't even think of stopping. I didn't think I would ever stop again. You can support the Warning Woods by clicking the anchor support link in the description or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening.